Welcome to the Ninth Arch, a Masonic podcast that takes a further look at the three Yorkite degrees called the Council of Cryptic Masons. Here you will find interviews and discussions on topics and research papers related to the Cryptic Council. The views and opinions of the speakers are that of their own and may not reflect the views and opinions of the Grand Council. Follow us on our Facebook page for further discussions after the show. Welcome back to the Ninth Arch Podcast, everybody. This is your host, Derek Helfer, and I'm accompanied by uh, companions Gary Jasker, Jeff Estes, and our newest member, uh, companion Charles Matosium. Uh, thank you for continuing your Masonic journey with us. Um, as you know, if you've listened to our previous podcast, we are leading up to talking about King Solomon's Temple. But before talking about the temple, we, we kind of started a little ways back in the BC, and we uh, started with Moses's Tabernacle. And then from there, we built it into the foundation of where the temple was built, which was our previous podcast talking about Jacob's Ladder, the Stone of Foundation, and the threshing floor. So in this episode, we're going to continue along that journey and uh, hopefully give you guys some good insight and and some things to think about. Uh, In addition to our content that we have here, um, please check out our website, excuse me, our Facebook site, the Ninth Arch Podcast. Uh, And in that Facebook site, I posted a YouTube video that I saw of Moses's tabernacle. So companion Jasker did a wonderful job of explaining it um, from the Bible. But if anybody's like me, and when you start talking about cubits and things like that, and it gets hard to visualize, a YouTube video I found called The Tabernacle Man uh, gives a very good description and visualization. So check that out. I think Masons will be particularly interested in the Holy of Holies and the Ark of Covenant, which is, I, I thought, pretty interesting. But um, take a look at that if you got questions. I'm sure we'll have future episodes uh, as we get closer to talking about King Solomon's temple. But at this point, I'm going to con- turn it over to Companion Jasker. Discussion today will be on King David. As mentioned earlier in the podcast, King David laid the foundation on which his son Solomon was to build the temple. The foundation alone was a massive undertaking. The mound artificially erected to serve as a base for the sublime structure on Mount Moriah was by nature narrow, deeply channeled by ravines, crooked ridges and gullies, honeycombed with caves. Except from the northwest to the southeast in a direction which the ridges ran. This illustrates the partial idea of the task that was delegated upon Hiram and his builders. Go out on a level plane and measure off an area of oblong square equal to 36 and a half acres. Build a wall around the great stone, eight, 10, and 20 feet long, weighing up to 500 tons and a proportional breadth and thickness. Bind the foundation together with clamps of iron and lead, fasten them into a native rock that lay below, raise the walls to a height of 150 feet of solid masonry work, Fill it up solid and the whole 36 and a half acres to a height of 150 feet. 480 years after the Israelites had come out of Egypt, in the fourth year of Solomon's reign, 
On the second day of the second month, 967 BC, King Solomon began to construct the temple of the Lord. The central core of the foundation, the original Mount Moriah, still contained the Dome of the Rock and many subterranean chambers. So large were the stones in which the walls were built, so artificially laid together in relation to each other, so firmly mortised at their interior edges and their point of junction with the native rock that no power of man could remove them. On the top of and alongside of the outer walls were built the porticos, <clears throat> or covered walls about which were galleries and apartments supported by pillars of white marble that overlooked the brook of Kindrun and the valley of Hinnom. <clears throat> Resembling the aisles of a Gothic the uh, cathedral, but these were only the outer buildings of the temple area. The porticos opened inward upon the courtyard paved with marble and open to the sky. This first section was called the court of the Gentiles. The Gentiles were admitted into it and no farther. It was the exterior court and by far the largest. Passing through it, we enter the court of Israel, which was divided by a low stone wall in two divisions the outer one being occupied by the women, from which an ascent was made of 15 steps occupied by men. In this court, the Israelites stood in solemn and reverent silence while their sacrifices were being burnt in the inner court. The inner court, court of the priests, in the center of this courtyard stood the brazen altar in which the sacrifices were consumed. In the Tanakh teaches Ten drink offerings presented at the bronze altar outside must be in three measures, a fourth, one-third, and a half, called hem of wine. Then comes the brazen sea, slightly back and to the left, in which the priests washed. Remember in the tabernacle, Moses had set up a small portable bronze lever that was made from women's hand mirrors, polished metal or glass. Their reflective quality related to the water inside the lever, and the water itself symbolized divine spirit as a mirror for exposing spiritual blind spots by illuminating the dark areas of your heart and mind. Jeremiah 31, 33. Solomon's Brown Sea commemorated the Red Sea crossing that drowned the Egyptian army, a symbol of sin and evil. The sea relates to a begetting or birth of a new spirit-led people and a renewal of mind and heart. Solomon's Brown Sea contained a huge basin, 10 feet in diameter, held up by 12 bowls. The bowls were posted in the four cardinal points, three pointing north, three south, three west, and three east. This was found in 1 Kings 7.25. This agrees with how the tribes were arranged under Moses. Judah and two others, toward the rising sun, Reuben and two others to the south, Ephraim and two others to the west, and Dan and two others to the north. But the tribe of Levi with the tabernacle was posted in the middle because it was a priest tribe not counted among the others. Solomon's Brown Sea, the water then finished, was poured through the feet of the oxen, and this was the well of Ethan, as stated in the Talmud. Behind it were 10 brazen wheeled lavers. On Mount Sinai, the Ten Commandments 
were written by God's own finger. The divine hand are depicted by the 10 wheel levers, one for each finger. Five on either side of the porch entrance for washing the sacrifices. Remember the tabernacle only had eight. This was the court where the people brought their offerings but were not permitted to enter, only the priests. From the court of the priest, 12 steps ascended to the temple, which was divided into three parts, the porch, the sanctuary, and the Holy of Holies. Solomon sent for an artificer, Solomon sent for an artificer out of Tyre, whose name was Hiram. He was by birth of the tribe of Nephtali, one of his mothers on his mother's side. But his father was of the tribe of Ur, of the stock of the Israelites. He was skilled in the working of gold, silver, and brass. Moreover, Hiram made two pillars, which were placed on the porch. The porch measured 20 cubits by 10 cubits, which supported the two pillars, Jacob and Boaz, standing 27 feet high, 6 feet through, and 3 inches thick, made of brass. Solomon erected these pillars to reflect. Solomon erected these pillars to reference the cloud and pillars of fire, which went before the Israelites on their journey through the wilderness. Jachin, the right-hand pillar on the south represented the cloud, and the left pillar, Boaz, on the north represented fire. They were not just ornaments. Solomon erected them as a memorial to God's repeated promise to support his people. For the pillar Jachin derived from the Hebrew word Yah, Jehovah and Achan to establish signifies God will establish the house of Israel while the pillar Boaz compound in and Oaz signified in strength. In strength it shall be established. They were daily reminders to the Jews passing through the porch of the abundance promised to God. Once you have passed through the porch, you enter the holy place where you will find a triple row of priestly cells the upper treasure rooms on three sides, west, south, and north, with the entrance to the east. The walls of the cells were covered in silver, representing the 100 sockets in the tabernacle. This room contained 10 candlesticks with seven branches each, the menorah representing the 70 offsprings of Jacob, Exodus 1, 5. The tabernacle had only one. The gold-plated showbread tables, also numbered 10, containing the bread and wine, symbolized the humanity of Israel. The tabernacle had only one. This room also contained the incense altar. The entrance to the Holy of Holy was constructed of olive wood covered with palm trees, flowers, and cherubims, and overlaid with gold. Behind these were a curtain of blue, crimson, and fine linen, this was found in 2 Chronicles 3.14. These doors with their doorposts represented Solomon's version of Jacob's gate to the heavens. The ladder was set on earth, which was the holy place, whose top reached heaven, which was the holy of holies, that the patriarch had seen at Bethel. If we digress for a moment, Jacob not only had left because he feared his brother's reprisal, but his father Isaac also demanded him to leave to start his own family, that he might become a company of people. Jacob, with his two wives, built a human temple, the house of Israel, a house of 12 tribes. The 12 tribes built Solomon's temple, the house of God, 
Therefore, the dream concerns the building of two houses, Israel and God's. Moses' tabernacle had only curtains, no golden door. If the temple had doors, then why the curtain? Saul always intended to have the but he also wanted to show that the way to heaven was open to everyone. Mosaic law did not permit open curtains. What was the solution then? The golden doors, because they always remained open in that manner. The entrance was in compliance with the law. Curtains closed while portraying the open and invited way, the golden doors to the Lord's celestial paradise. Now come to the altar of incense. Israel was told by God at the very beginning of the Sinai covenant, if you obey my voice, you shall be my treasured possession. Israel is only his treasured as long as he obeys their rule. Otherwise, they were not. That is why the altar of incense is constructed of wood in the tabernacle. Being ashamed of inequalities and the call for repentance. The one in Solomon's temple was made of gold, emitting a cloud of sweet smoke of incense. The Ark of Moses served as a receptacle for the stone tablets of the Ten Commandments. The rods measured eight cubits, which is about ten and a half feet, were on the short side of the Ark. In Solomon's temple, however, the Ark rested and no longer bore by men. Solomon's temple, the Ark rods measured 13 cubits, or 17.3 feet. Solomon rotated the rods on the ark 90 degrees or one fourth part of a circle. They were now on the long side to make it more of a seat. The ark was placed in the midst of the house and divided the house 10 cubits by 10 cubits. As soon as the priests brought the ark, the rods were drawn out and reached the veil and the ends were seen pushing out of the veil of the sanctuary like two breasts of a woman. For this reason, the doors were never closed to extend the grace of God to everyone. The lid of the ark was made of solid gold, including the two cherubims of Solomon's temple. The ark sat east and west. The two large cherubims of gold that stood on their, foot, on their feet on the ground were made of wood and gold plated. From the wall of the cherubims measured five cubits from the cherubims to the wall, five cubits. The two golden cherubims stood 10 cubits tall, which is 13.3 feet. Solomon added, they are the large chariot. This is First Chronicles 28:18. If so, then they are assumed to be bearing God's new throne seat on their wings. And the only thing above their wings was the golden attic, the Shekinah, also referred to as the presence of a divine spirit or glory cloud. The Holy of Holies measured 20 by 20 cubits, 30 cubits tall from the holy place floor to the Holy of Holies measured 20 cubits square with 10 plated attic four cubits high where God is seated above the cherubims in a cloud. This is found in 2 Samuel 6.2. The ark was a symbol of the divinity of Christ, pot of manna of this priestly office to feed his people spiritual food. The mercy seat is his prophetic dignity. Aaron's rod was his emblem of resurrection, of the revival 
and the blooming of his body after it had been consigned to the grave. Sacrificial altar, sacrificial altar, while we look not at the things which we are seen, but at the things which we cannot see. Things that are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And this was found in Second uh, Chronicles 4.18. If our earthly house of this tabernacle were destroyed, we have a building God and house not made with hand, <laughs> eternal to the heaven. And that's all I have. Yeah, so if you guys got any questions, I can... I know I have a couple questions, but Jeff, I'll defer to you first. Anything come to mind? I, I did. I picked up. I picked one little obscure part that just jumped out at me, and that's the altar of incense. Yeah. And so, in the tabernacle, the the altar of incense was constructed of wood, and it says, "Being ashamed of her iniquities and a call for repentance." Right. When Solomon's temple is built, they built an altar of incense made of gold. Right. And so. The question was, did the fact that they created Solomon's temple then make them worthy of having a gold or well, what changed? Okay, well, if you remember, when they left Egypt, they, they uh, committed a sin by um, building the golden calf, you know. So no, nobody that wandered around those 40 years crossed over the Jordan on the second crossing into uh into the new promised land so when they crossed over in the promised land they were all uh circumcised that way they were all brought up to a, a higher a higher religious level and so um i'm assuming that's why they built the golden altar instead of the wooden one if i had to think about it much longer <laughs> <laughs> cool thank you that's all i had charles I just had a quick one, and this is maybe more out of ignorance, but is there any sense that um, just as they became more settled and as their society became more structured and hierarchical, that they began to just take on that notion that, well, gold is just better than wood, so more appropriate for God to have gold than wood, I, uh... giving a material value to, to the God. Um, I'll send you, uh, all the other, uh, podcasts that we had, but uh -huh. uh, one of the earlier ones was, um, Jeff had asked, oh, that was the one question, Jeff, um, why, uh, um, Solomon built the temple and not David. God told King David all the dimensions of everything that was supposed to be made for the temple, how much they were supposed to weigh and everything. And see, uh, King David, um, he spent his time in wars and everything, and God didn't want uh, his uh, new temple to be contaminated by war and bloodshed. So that's why Solomon ended up building it instead of David. And Gary, the one question I had, and this has just got me thinking. So I believe in an earlier episode, um, when we were talking about Moses' tabernacle, we were talking about this cloud of, of fire and, and or something in, in the Holy of Holies. Did we talk about that earlier? Am I remembering, remembering correctly? Something of the covenant? The Yeah, the the first, uh, when they left Egypt, mm -hmm. they made the first seven stops they made before they crossed the Red Sea 
the uh, cloud and the um, pillar of fire actually had its own tent. It was called the uh, tent of the congregation, I believe. That's right. So when you were describing Boaz and Jachin, you mentioned that Jachin was the cloud and you mentioned that Boaz was the fire. So that just got me thinking and remembering that is that somehow foreshadow back to to the past, to that, to that, to the Ark of the Congregation or the Cloud of Congregation? Yeah. Solomon didn't want anybody to forget how they got where they were. So that's why when he built those uh, two pillars and then designated them, Jacob and Boaz is uh, for the pillar of fire and a, and a cloud. I think in, I did read that the cloud covered the whole, all the Israelites when they were on the move and they couldn't see the sun. It was just like a big blanket over them. And the only way they could tell difference between night and day is when the uh, pillar of fire came out because they couldn't distinguish the sun was always out of their view. I had read that, but I don't think I added that in anywhere. No, it just got me. Uh, it just yeah. got me thinking when you when you said cloud and fire. I'm like, hey, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Well, if you remember, I I had mentioned the fact that a lot of the stuff in the tabernacle transferred over to Solomon's temple. Some of it changed just a bit. For example, Jacob's ladder. You know, they they talked about it, but um, the steps between the holy place and the holy of holies in Solomon's mind was Jacob's ladder because he, they went from earth to heaven where God was at. So that's how it transitioned over. And that's, that's the way I read it when I did the research on it. No, no, interesting. Thank you for joining us today at, on the Ninth Arch Podcast. Uh, please check out our Facebook site, the Ninth Arch Podcast. Uh, post any questions or, or comments that you might have. Uh, that way we can take a look at those and we can uh, hopefully answer your questions and maybe even turn it into a, a separate mini podcast on on going over your observations or questions or comments that you might have. So again, thank you for tuning in. Uh, we definitely appreciate it and hope everybody stays safe out there. Thank you. We hope you have enjoyed listening to the Ninth Arch, a sonic podcast where we take a deeper look at the Council of Cryptic Masons. Join us next time for another in-depth discussion, and don't forget to check out our Facebook group, The Ninth Arch. Thank you for joining us today, and may peace be with you on your travels.